0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, May 16th, 2019. I'm Caleb Brown. Each month, the Cato Institute produces Cato Audio, a collection of some of the best clips from the previous months. In the current edition, I sat down for the Cato Roundtable with Alex Narasta and David Beer to discuss their new proposals, plural, to legalize illegal immigrants. This month's full edition of Cato Audio is available as a podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Much of the debate surrounding illegal immigration Im- immigration more broadly into the United States isn't particularly productive. People dig in. Uh, some of the people who are most opposed to immigration seem not to understand the subject matter uh, very well. But uh, David Beer and Alex Narasta, our immigration policy analysts, have uh, done yeoman's work uh, trying to at least inject some new ideas to make The Immigration System into the United States More Rational. They have a new paper out uh, entitled Three New Ways for Congress to Legalize Illegal Immigrants. Gentlemen, welcome. Thanks for having us. So let's begin with uh, these. Well, let's begin with some of the older ideas first, because I think they're instructive. Uh, An idea that had been proposed earlier within the walls of this building was uh, the idea of state-based visas. That is, states would be able to uh, essentially hold their hands up and say, we would like this many uh, immigrants for our state, please, to sort of take that debate out of Washington, D.C. And that idea at least had enough traction to be introduced into uh, legislation, but uh, really hasn't gone much beyond that. Is that about right?
1: Well, we really look at the state-based ideas as one for determining future flows of immigration um, as opposed to dealing with the people who are already here, which is really what this research is about. Um, you know, how do we address illegal immigrants who've already set up residence in the United States? They've already spent some time here. They're already integrated into the labor force. What do we do about that population? And rather than how do we bring in new legal immigrants into the country in the future?
0: And Dave, as you mentioned before we started recording, we don't know exactly how many illegal immigrants there are. And if we truly cared about finding out, legalizing them is perhaps the best way.
1: Well, we, you know, I would say that the estimates that we have are are pretty close within a range. And we know this Wait, actually- What is that range? Well, it's it's between 10 and 12 million Um, People and one of the reasons why we know this is actually because of the amnesty that we did in 1986. It allowed us to to you know check our estimates against reality.
2: And one of the things I'd like to say is about the 10 to 12 million. You know, you hear folks like on Ann Coulter, others talk about how there's 25, 30, 40 million uh, illegal immigrants here. If that's true, then they are probably the least fertile demographic. In the history of the United States, as we know pretty well how many children are born here in the United States, especially how many are born to American citizens and legal residents. And the remainder is what is born to illegal immigrants. So unless you're willing to think that virtually all these folks, um, the vast majority of them have no kids. Uh, or are sterile, or otherwise choosing not to start families, um, then this range of 10 to 12 million, you know, give or take a million maybe on either side of that
1: makes a lot of sense. And also committing no crime in the United States, because we also know how many immigrants are being convicted of crimes and locked up in the United States. And if the number of illegal immigrants was dramatically higher, their crime rate would be the lowest of any demographic in the history of the world.
0: All right. Sounds good. So let's uh, start with uh, some of these ideas, uh, Alex. Uh, give us the first one in general. This is a not really a Sophie's choice, but it's a choice that uh, would be
2: definitely not a Sophie's choice. Uh, <laughs> but 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 it's a policymaker's choice. Uh, we took a look at a lot of these previous immigration reform proposals that have come out. You know, the latest one, the big one, was in 2013, a comprehensive bill. And the thing with this bill and the previous ones that were also comprehensive is they were basically all the same. They all basically included a portion to increase legal immigration, increase enforcement, and then for what we're talking about here, legalize or pass an amnesty for some amount of the legal immigrations in the United States. And we took a look at this and like this amnesty proposal and all of these is very similar. It's a one size fits all proposal. It's a path to legalization and then eventually to citizenship. So we thought, why not have a 2 tiered type system? We have a very expensive route for an illegal immigrant who's given a legalization to become a citizen to get a green card, make it a very long time, expensive, difficult, but then also offer another path that is just a path to a permanent work permit, but they can never use that to become a citizen. They can use that to work here. They can use that to live here, but they can't sponsor uh, a lot of their uh, relatives that come over. Um, It's just like a permanent work status and make that a lot cheaper. And I suspect, based on at least some previous evidence, that the vast majority of people who will get legalized under this program would choose the cheaper alternative path to a legal status just uh, without citizenship. Just to give you sort of a background about this, the last time we had a major legalization in 1986 Um, Only about 41% of those who were legalized under that chose to become an American citizen. The majority were fine being a lawful permanent resident and working here. If you change those costs a little bit, make it more expensive to become a citizen, cheaper to get a work permit, I think the majority would choose that.
0: All right. So uh, as we are in Washington, D.C., there are politics to all of these things, and this seems to and maybe you don't agree, scramble the political alliances when it comes to getting people to come into the United States. Because I would imagine that uh, uh, political parties or political groups that would like to attract citizens into the United States for the purposes of courting them, for the purposes of electoral uh, success, um, that this sort of, I don't know, splits that baby
2: It splits that baby. I mean, this is just for the folks who are already here illegally, but what it really does is it gives, it puts liberals in a funny position because a lot of them want to legalize illegal immigrants um, for principled reasons, but they also like the uh, uh, potential electoral consequences down the line. Um, This basically says, hey, if you really care about this population... Um, This is a way to let them choose for themselves individually, whether they want to pay a more expensive path to citizenship or if they're fine living in security and working but not ever getting those uh, political rights. On the other hand, it also satisfies some um, Republicans, like, for instance, Senator Ted Cruz and others, who said that they were supportive of some kind of legalization. They were just said that they were opposed to a path to citizenship. This will allow us to test to see whether liberals really care about the rights and the livelihoods of these folks and whether conservatives are okay with legalizing them without a path to citizenship.
1: And and for context, in, 20, in the 2013 bill, you had about a 13-year path to citizenship. It was a one-size-fits-all approach. And the Congressional Budget Office that looked at the proposal said there were so many requirements and it was so costly that you would have a significant portion, about 3 million of the 11 million illegal immigrants in that year would not be eligible under the provisions of the legislation. So they created a path to citizenship, but it was gonna be one that was unattainable for a significant portion of that population. So the question for liberals is, are you so committed to forcing everyone into that path to citizenship that you're willing to leave out a large portion of the uh, immigrant population that would choose to legalize their status and and come out of the shadows.
0: So, for this first idea, this choice between uh, a relatively quick, relatively cheap, uh, permanent legal status to work and enjoy many of the benefits of of being in the United States versus this longer, more laborious, expensive process of becoming a U.S. citizen. What is the what is the fiscal? Uh, impact of of that, in general.
2: Well, we didn't run a fiscal analysis of this,
0: but based on just a thumbnail sketch, then
2: yeah, a thumbnail sketch is uh, under the way that we propose this, the permit, the work permit that folks would get under this system would not be would not make the worker eligible for means-tested welfare benefits. It would not make them eligible for entitlement benefits. Would it make them eligible for any of those benefits? So the um, fiscal impact of this would be uh, positive. It would be on the positive side if the research from the National Academy of Sciences and any of the other fiscal cost analyses out there are Indian indication. This would be more positive than um, most of the lower-skilled immigrants who come on an LPR status or lawful permanent residency and get uh, citizenship.
0: And then after this is implemented, um, it seems like the lever you move back and forth is the relative price that you assign to uh, going through the longer process of citizenship.
2: That's right. How much do you value becoming an American citizen and getting those attendant additional rights of being able to serve on a jury, being able to vote, Uh, and in some cases being able to work in a handful of government occupations and in some places, um, also, uh, firearms ownership, although, um, there are different rules on that in different States. Uh, A lot of like H one Bs, for instance, like, uh, work permits, uh, holders can purchase a firearm, but, um, it makes it a lot easier if you want to be a gun owner in America, if you're an American citizen.
0: All right. The second idea uh, is rolling legalization by allowing long-term illegal immigrant residents to legalize their status on an ongoing basis without an application cutoff date. What does that mean, Dave?
1: Well, if you look at the prior proposals that's you know been on the table since 2013 and 2006 and 2007, those debates all had, we're going to have this really, I think, fantasy that we are going to have an amnesty And we're never going to have another illegal immigrant in the United States again. And so we'll never have to revisit this question at any point in the future. And so we're going to legalize everyone who arrived before a certain date. And then after that, you know, we're just going to bring the, you know, the army and the, you know, the government agents to everyone's door. And that's going to cure the problem.
0: Yeah, these amnesties seem like pressure valves. That are immediately put back in place once the amnesty is done, right? The pressure begins building
1: again. Exactly. And so this idea really borrows from aspects of current law as well as um, some principles that the United Kingdom has has done well in that rather than having a specific cutoff date, 2013, 2017, anyone who arrived before that date would be eligible – it looks at how long has someone been in the country. And it is not realistic to expect that people 10 years from now will say to someone who arrived today and lived for 10 years in the United States, being part of our society, having children here and so forth, and say to them, we're going to kick you out. We're going to send the government agents. This is really what undermines, from a conservative perspective, you know, one, people who want the law enforced should actually support this idea. Because if you're removing people that the public doesn't want to see uh, deported from the equation, then public support for immigration enforcement will naturally rise. If they know that all of government energies are just to remove people who've been here for a short period of time, public support will increase. So the idea is really, we're going to have a set period of time. And after that, a uh, period of time has passed, then we're we're going to allow you to become a permanent resident in the United States. Essentially, it's,
0: everybody gets their own sort of cutoff date in a in a sense.
1: Right. Yes. So if you live in the United States for for ten years or fifteen years, uh, really, it's you know it depends depends on on you know what Congress wants to do here. But ultimately, if you've spent a decade in the United States, we're going to remove you from the equation and focus all of our immigration enforcement resources on people who've been in the country and for less rem- than 10
2: years. And remove you from the equation by giving you a lawful immigration status. Just to be like super yes. clear about this, yeah. this is a way like for these folks to remain in the United States and to focus the remaining enforcement resources on those who are left.
1: And this is preventing a you know duplicating this process over and over and over again in terms of amnesties because on the one hand you're reducing the number of short term illegal immigrants by focusing all of our enforcement resources there and at the other end not uh uh you know legalizing the pe- or rather legalizing the people who've been in the country for 10 years or more that this way it's at both ends limiting the size of the problem
0: this may be a small thing but how do you propose the government uh, come to understand how long a person has been in the United States? Well, well in, and
2: in the, a lot of in a lot of previous um, uh, amnesties the government has done, they rely on documentation of a certain kind provided by uh, the immigrants seeking legalization. So they will look, they will try to get, uh, for instance, records of like leases, school records, uh, driver's licenses library cards, you know, utilities bills, um, maybe previous visas that that person has held in the United States lawfully. I mean, there's there's a wide amount of documentation.
0: There, There's a, you know, this is related to that in a sense, because there has been some opposition to allowing illegal immigrants in the United States to uh, get driver's licenses, which I'm sure you guys would agree is, is boneheaded. If you care about things like Having insurance pay out when uh, somebody is in an auto accident. Mm. So
1: yeah, yeah. So I mean, this is really a, you know a, a proposal that would be forward-looking. It would deal with the problem now. The biggest portion of the problem, if you look at the share of illegal immigrants who've been in the country for more than a decade, it's now at two thirds of the total population, according to estimates. So, I mean, that is you're taking care of a significant portion of the of the population, as well as um, going forward making sure that our immigration enforcement resources are used against people with less equity in the United States.
0: Okay. The third idea that you all have proposed in this paper, slowing chain migration immigration by limiting legalized immigrants' ability to sponsor family members from overseas for lawful permanent residency or green cards. What it, That seems clearly to, to deal with this concern that is It escapes me what the actual concern is about uh, so-called chain migration, where supposedly, or at least this seems to be how the argument goes, you will have essentially an endless series of uh, immigrants coming to the United States, uh, sponsoring relatives, then those immigrants sponsor relatives, and so on and so on.
2: This is the least favorite of our proposals, but we have to throw in, I think, um, things that we genuinely think would be uh, big compromises to try to get the conversation going. So the idea is to actually deal exactly with what you think, which is that um, chain migration is, a, uh, according to some members of Congress and, and the president, a problem. And the argument that legalized immigrants could just sponsor their family members and that's going to be like a permanent benefit Um, earned by a legalization is something that a lot of folks think is unfair. So this is a way saying like, listen, we're not going to restrict chain migration for any other groups of people or any other legal immigrants. But for those who are legalized, they are going to be limited at least in their ability to, for some period of time, at, at a minimum for some period of time, to earn legal status. Interestingly, we got this idea from a law that Congress passed in 1982 Uh, called the Virgin Islands Non-Immigrant Alien Adjustment Act, which allowed the uh, guest workers in that island, um, who had basically all become illegal immigrants, uh, to become legal to get permanent residency, but not to sponsor any of their family members. Um, It was a pretty small program at that time um, uh, in in the low numbers of thousands, uh, but that shows that I think Congress has been amenable to this in the past, And they could sort of dust off some of these provisions provided to a longer or a larger group of people today.
0: So uh, in general.
2: So if I could add one more thing to that, the uh, people who are legalized should be able to sponsor at least their immediate relatives, like their uh, minor children, their spouses, things like this. Because otherwise, if if you don't do that, then you're just going to get more illegal immigration. But we're talking about sort of expanded family members, you know, their siblings, um, adult children,
0: parents, things like that. All right. Um, why has there not been an amnesty since 1986?
1: Well, there's a, there's a definitely a long answer to that. Uh, the short answer is that Congress has not wanted to legalize, um, people in the United States. And the, you know, the, the argument is that the 1986 amnesty didn't quote unquote work Uh, because it ultimately after 1986, we had a huge surge in the number of illegal immigrants in the United States. Over the course of the 90s, it it grew from about 3 million to over 10 million and ultimately over 12 million by 2007. So you had a huge increase in the illegal immigrant population. The uh, opponents of the amnesty blamed the amnesty rather than the legal immigration changes that never came that would have provided people a legal pathway to enter the United States in the future. And that was what was part of the missing equation in 1986 is we legalized these people, but then we said, well, we're just going to crack down on the border. We're going to hire all these border patrol agents. We're going to build fences. We're going to do a lot of the things we currently hear are going to solve the problem. But then we didn't, do anything to make it possible for people to enter legally.
0: It seems like there's been a, uh, as our former colleague, Dan Griswold, uh, used to say, once we've dealt with this prohibition problem, then we can talk about legalizing alcohol. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) yes. Once we've dealt with these bootleggers, I should say. And,
2: And it's a problem that we, it's an argument that I hear in the space of immigration, but I don't hear it very often, not just prohibition. But uh, when the speed limit was raised, the national speed limit of 55 to 65, I didn't hear, I've never read anybody who said, oh, we need to catch all the speeders first. Uh, prior to the debate on this tax law, um, I never heard anybody say we had to catch every single cha- tax cheat before we cut taxes for people uh, across the board, both policies that I support. And if the law is bad and producing bad outcomes, I think we should change it before We ruin more people's lives by trying to enforce it. Desperate gamble of enforcement that just won't work.
0: And it speaks directly to the credibility of the law itself. I think if
2: we want immigrants and Americans to respect American laws, the laws need to be respectable. And current American immigration law is not. These three proposals are a way to at least solve or severely limit problems from the current population of illegal immigrants which is a big part of the immigration debate okay also um if people think there's chaos on the border they don't want to liberalize immigration they don't want to legalize people here they also don't want to increase legal immigration so anything any policy that increases that those perceptions of chaos of lawlessness Of madness going on at the border. Things like caravans, things like the government's response to caravans by uh, tear gassing them, Um, things like, for instance, building a fence and putting up a camera that takes a picture of everybody crossing that fence. Um, Even if the numbers are down 90% from their highs or down a lot, that creates a perception of chaos independent of reality. And the more that people think, There is chaos, we think, relative to thinking that everything's orderly, the less they will support a liberalized
1: policy. And you can actually see this if you go to Canada or Australia, for example. These are two countries that have much more expansive legal immigration policies than the United States does relative to their size. So Canada is 10 times smaller than us, but they allow a flow as a percentage of their population that's more than two times greater. Than the flow into the United States is so you're really talking about two countries that are um, you know in in the case of Australia it's essentially an island so they don't don't have a border problem uh, as much as the United States does. And Canada sort of isolated as well. They don't have as many illegal immigrants because people have to cross into the United States first. So there's not as much of an incentive for them to then cross into Canada. And so what we see in both of those countries is much higher legal immigration flows. And the the just general tone uh, and rhetoric of the debate in those places is uh, less uh, severe as in the United States.
2: And when you take a look at places like Australia, when they have problems with, say, boat people landing on their shores and asking for asylum that way, uh, public opinion turns against legal immigration. But then it goes right back up as soon as they treat those people um, you know, very brutally and harshly by putting them on these prison camps on islands, which is a terrible policy. But if your perspective or your your goal is to maximize public support in Australia for legal immigration, that seems necessary to do to remove that perception of chaos.
0: Well, let's go back to the data here just for a a minute. Um, When we talk about uh, legalizing illegal immigrants and then accounting for future flows of uh, otherwise would-be illegal immigrants into the United States, what do we know about the economic impact that they have uh, upon their arrival, either legal or illegal immigrants?
2: So the to the talk about just the, the impact, I guess, of what would happen for these folks who are legalized after they're legalized in the United States, we can expect a pretty good wage increase for them. So we published a paper in 2018 looking at the wage uh, convergence, wage assimilation of immigrants relative to native-born Americans. And we did a special sort of side calculation on that, looking at, well, how much less do illegal immigrants make relative to legal immigrants in the United States? And we found that it's about 11.3% lower. And that's because it's illegal for them to work in the United States. Um, It's risky for employers to employ them because there is some amount of labor uh, of enforcement uh, that cracks down on employers.
0: So they have no negotiating position,
2: no negotiating position, but they are super mobile, too, uh, because they're, they don't have access to welfare. So the re- reservation wages uh, also tend to be a little bit lower because they can't, you know, like you or I become welfare queens forever. Uh, should we choose to as native born Americans? I, of course, would not as a. Principle libertarian. But we have the option to, and these folks do not. So the idea is that by legalizing these folks, they will have more bargaining power. They will, will not be uh, a legal risk for employers to employ them. They will have some legal guarantees. They will able, be able to switch jobs and change jobs more easily. And that will have sort of knock-on effects throughout
1: the rest of the economy that are positive. And the other important thing to understand is is there's really not an incentive to invest in your human capital if you think that all of the benefits of that investment could disappear tomorrow by being deported, and so when you're, especially when you're looking at younger illegal immigrants, you know the dreamers we talk about, uh, people who had grown up in the United States um, from a young age. The incentives for them to go on to college and to invest in their education are much lower than it is for a U.S. citizen who knows that they're not going to be removed from the country. They know that they can access any labor market, um, or you know, try to
0: buy capital to build something of their own.
1: Exact. Yes, exactly. So you know, investing in home ownership or or any of the the physical capital things. Um, again, this is this is a, a, a significant drawback. Uh, From having a big uh, illegal immigrant population.
0: So with respect to American workers, though, this what are the what are the broad effects that we can say with confidence?
2: So the broad effects with confidence is that these folks are already here. They're already working unlawfully. The amount of labor market competition that will exist is Going to be actually probably less than what it currently is because these folks are not working in the black markets as much. They're not competing in the black markets as much. Employers cannot say um, as easily rob wages from them um, without any kind of legal recourse. So I would I would suspect that labor market competition, labor market outcomes for legal American workers uh, would improve as a result of illegal immigrants who are already here working being able to work lawfully.
1: And the counterfactual when it comes to you know, removing this population who's, who is who uh, is already working in the United States, we actually had a good experiment with that in the 1960s when Congress canceled the Bracero guest worker program. You had, in some instances, about 20% of the farm labor population was being provided by this uh, th- this group of guest workers from Mexico. And uh, the study that was done by economist Michael Clemens and uh, and his colleagues uh, really demonstrated that the farms that had the highest proportion of guest workers that were you know, ultimately removed from the country or, or banned from reentering the following year did not see any wage benefit as a result uh, for U.S born Americans as a result of that uh, of that policy change.
0: Alex Narasta and David Beer study immigration at the Cato Institute. Their new paper, Three New Ways for Congress to Legalize Illegal Immigrants, is available at Cato.org. Subscribe to Cato Audio and this podcast wherever you get your podcasts, and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.